everybody welcome back to exploring the lord of the rings this is session number 182 uh and tonight things are going to get a little bit chippy this is really one of the first times i mean okay there was that little brief incident uh when you know glowen got a little offended at legolas and things got tense for a very uh a slight amount of time but um things are um uh, things are gonna uh, are gonna heat up a substantial bit more here this evening, I think. Uh, so uh, I'm uh, I'm looking forward to this as we explore alternatives to opposing Sauron. I love the impulse that we see and the way in which Tolkien is kind of covering bases here. We've addressed the big question. Right? Like, wait, why are we always talking about hiding and destroying? Why are we not going to use the ring? That seems practical, as Boromir points out. And we looked at Elrond's big response to that question last time, which is a good response. Uh, but, um, but then what? Then what happens, right? Um, what shall... Um, what shall we then do exactly? Uh, again, Elrond has revealed the end goal, right? But, um, but aren't there other possible alternatives that we are not considering, right? Um, so that's what, uh, we're gonna, we're gonna see, I think, uh, here this evening. Um, but, um, one quick announcement, uh, just to mention that registration is now officially open for MythMoot, for the in-person MythMoot, uh, which we announced a couple weeks back. We had a brief delay there, sorry about that, while we were double-checking things. I was, uh, so eager to share the news, because uh, I was so excited to talk about, uh, opening, uh, MythMoot, um, and, you know, wanting people to be able to start you know, thinking about travel and planning stuff um, that I went ahead and announced it two weeks, but of course we, uh, two weeks ago, but we hadn't worked out all the financial details with the venue to make sure we were all squared away and things are fine. So we, uh, uh, we have um, uh, opened registration at last here uh, and I am uh, uh, really excited uh, about MythMoot, really excited to get down there and to uh, see folks again. And I think it's going to be a lot of fun. I'm really looking forward uh, to the work of integrating uh, a real, having a real hybrid experience, not just a, you know, an in-person MythMoot with people being able to attend the, the sessions, right? Um, but a real hybrid MythMoot where we're able to involve folks in the full experience. That's going to be a lot of fun. So uh, I am looking forward to that. Um, anyway, so that is what is going on. I encourage you to check that out, signumuniversity.org slash MythMoot, uh, to find all of the information uh, on registration for MythMoot there. Um, all right. With that announcement, however, let us jump back into the text. So uh, don't worry, I'm not talking about this whole slide again, but I had a, a pang of conscience. <laughs> that pang of conscience that I have when I wa like went way too quickly over a sentence. Um, you know how it is. Um, and uh, 
the sentence that I skimmed over, I was having a particular um, uh, pang of conscience because it's a super important sentence. And I like mentioned that it's really important and I kind of laughed about how important it was, but I didn't even really talk about it. Um, so I, I, I have to. And that's for nothing is evil in the beginning. Um, followed by even Sauron was not so technically two sentences, but it's the first one that I'm primarily focused on. I kind of made a joke about, uh, about the, the, uh, you know, the orc problem. Um, but I just thought it best to kind of pause on that for a second in particular, because it's one of the, um, um, sometimes people will ask me what question or reaction to Tolkien, do you find most irritating or most annoying? Like, what are, what are, like, is there a question that, like, you get asked all the time that really annoys you? And, you know, it's not stuff that people would normally think of. Like, I don't mind talking about Balrogs and Wings. Like, that's a, it's a perfectly good teachable moment. It's fine. Um, I enjoy that. Um, I, uh, it's, I don't, I mean, sometimes I get a little bit frustrated by the, uh, you know, why didn't they fly the ring to mortar on the eagles question? Because it's just kind of a silly-minded question. Um, and usually not really held by people who are interested at all in thinking about the story seriously as a story. So, um, but occasionally it is, and, and then even then, I don't mind talking about that. Um, but... um uh, but, um, if I had to say the, like, topic of discussion that probably annoys me most, um, with that makes that, like, what kind of burns my biscuits most, it's people who casually insist on, by the way, it's not even people who just say, like, Tolkien's writing style is really boring, right? Um, because, like, it's, that's, from for them it's obviously true like there's 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 no two ways about that i mean like it's uh, tolkien's writing style is different right there is a whole lot of landscape description it's absolutely true and in my mind it's almost like a kind of litmus test right like this there's a reason that tolkien fans are in love not with the plot not even with the characters of the story Tolkien fans are primarily in love with Middle-earth itself. Like, that's the main trend that I have seen in my years of talking to uh, to Tolkien fans. And it's like, t to me, it's like if you read the descriptions of Middle-earth, you know, if you're reading and, and you're just like, come on, like, enough with the plants already. Like, let's move on. Then, like, it's okay. Like, it's 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 probably not for you. And that's fine. It's not for everybody. You know, not everything is for everybody. So, like, it's it's okay. So I don't even get, like, mad at people who just, like, go on about um, how bad Tolkien's prose style is and how boring it is. Um, no, the thing that bothers me probably most um, is the people who attempt to maintain... Um, or rather, because it's not a maintained suggest there's an argument being made rather than merely dismissive statements um, about how simplistic 
the world of the moral universe of the Lord of the Rings is, right? How like it's just like, you know, black and white and everything is like either totally evil or totally good. And, you know, it's just like it's just really simplistic and, and you know, this sort of weird fantasy world in that way, like, you know, fantasy world in the bad kind of sense. Right. Um, and, you know, I get really irritated by that um, because, of course, like on the one hand, it's really hard to talk to people who are prepared to dismiss Tolkien in that way, even assuming, by the way, um, you know, which is a big assumption that they're talking about the books and not just the movies. Um, but um, uh, but it's it's it is a very, very common. In fact, it's one of the very oldest um, critiques of The Lord of the Rings. Um, and I. Uh, as I say, it's really hard to talk to anybody who makes that claim because by and large, um, as several of you are pointing out, um, uh, there is, uh, um, it's, it's really hard to maintain if you've read the books really at all. Um, (laughs) Drosnake says, can I introduce you to the entire character of, of, of Feanor? Um, yeah, yeah. And now, JJ, I think you make a really important distinction, right? That um, it is true, there, you know, it's not that there is no such thing as black and white uh, in The Lord of the Rings. Um, the morality is, in a sense, black and white. There are things that are absolutely wrong and things that are absolutely not wrong. Um, you know, those are, those are, that is, that is true. That is true about The Lord of the Rings. Um but that's not really what people are objecting to. They are generally objecting to characters, you know, like all oh, the, you know, the good guys are perfectly good and the bad guys are totally evil. And like it, this, and I've, I've heard this so many times and it, as I say, it's really frustrating because in order to discuss it, you have to like all the thing, all the scenes and characters that you guys are pointing to, these people don't know because uh, they never even really read the books. But there is a superficial plausibility to this claim. I mean, it's superficially plausible because there are many very wicked characters, such as the orcs. Um, and Sauron is very evil, right? There is a dark lord on his dark throne um, who is, in fact, very evil. Um, and there are heroes in the book who are, in fact, very good, right? Um, and so there's a superficial plausibility to this whole thing. Um, but it really frustrates me. And to, so this, so I come back to this sentence because there's a kind of deep irony here, right? Um, I mentioned that, well, I don't think I, I didn't say it in these terms. I alluded to the orc problem. Let me not just kind of, you know, nod at that as I go by. The question, the orc problem is a big problem. And by the orc problem, what I mean is like the orcs are, the orcs are a theological problem. The orcs are an ontological problem. It is not solved in the Silmarillion. Um, uh, Tolkien never solved the orc problem. Um, The orcs, he could not make orcs fit into the overall landscape of his world because um, it's not enough to say they used to be elves who were corrupted. In which case, did they lose their free will? What happens to them when they die? 
Um, is Morgoth able permanently to override the free will of this entire race of beings? Is that in his power? Um, can he undo the work of Iluvatar to that extent? That's pretty serious. And Tolkien was not at all comfortable saying that. So he tried to come up with other explanations or reasons or why, how, who the orcs are and how they can be. Um, because if the orcs ultimately are children of Iluvatar who have become corrupted, howsoever thoroughly, howsoever, um, you know, you know, howsoever marred their, their heredity might have become, if they have any free will whatsoever, then it's not okay to treat them like they're treated in the Lord of the Rings. By the morality of the Lord of the Rings, it's not okay. It's not okay to keep score with how many orcs you kill. That's not all right. Nobody does that with Haradrim. I mean, somebody might, but they wouldn't be good guys. I mean, they, that would be a really dubious act to do that. Um, um, anyway, so there's this, this, it's a problem. It's a problem, right? And originally, when Tolkien invented the orcs way back in the Book of Lost Tales days, they were evil in the beginning. They were just constructs. They were just constructs. Um, they were not living beings, really. They were mockeries of living beings. They were animated creatures of mud and slime infused with the hatred and cruelty of Morgoth. And that they were, they were more like... They were more like machines um, uh, than they were living creatures. They certainly did not have free will or any kind of eternal destiny. Okay? So, um, but then he gets to the Lord of the Rings and he writes this sentence, for nothing is evil in the beginning. And then he goes a step further with Frodo uh, on the stairs of Kirathungal, as we'll see someday. Um, and talk about how evil cannot create, it can only mar. And those two statements, that all that is created is good in the beginning, and that evil cannot create, it can only corrupt and mar, um, that means that the old concept of the orcs as mere constructs cannot work, is impossible. And therefore, he had to pitch it. But he struggled, really struggled uh, with how to make it work. And in the end, he never did. Like, there was no solution that he... I mean, I have my favorites of his p proposed solutions, but he never adopted a final one. What's in the published Silmarillion is not the final resolution to that. Um, Christopher had to choose one when he edited the Silmarillion, and that's the one he chose because that's the one that Tolkien, um, again, his rule, Christopher's rule with the Silmarillion was always to include the most completed text so that he was presenting a text written completely by his father as much as was possible. Like, that was always his... So he would always take, like, the most complete text composed by Tolkien, not the most advanced ideas, like if Tolkien rethought some things but hadn't written it out in a full narrative mode, he, he didn't use it in the Silmarillion. Um, so there's a bunch of things in the Silmarillion that Tolkien was rethinking or even had rethought and decided against, but he didn't write it. And so therefore Christen, Christopher didn't have anything to include uh, when he did the Silmarillion. Anyway, um, 
JJ, you are sure right about that. Uh, the more I hear and read about the development of Middle Earth, uh, the less I envy Christopher Tolkien. Oh my goodness. Um, what a job that was. Um, but um, uh, anyway, anyway. Um, so, so yeah. So the orc, pro- that's the orc problem. When I talk about the orc problem, that's the orc problem. And as I say, Tolkien never resolved it. He never figured out, like, how could he make orcs, the concept of orcs, orcs as these sort of perfect enemies, right? The enemies it's okay to hate because they're just the embodied. That was the beauty of orcs in the old days. The orcs as constructs. You don't have to show mercy to the orcs. They're not creatures. They're not fellow creatures at all. They're just like animated objects full of hatred, right? And therefore, the only fit thing to, is to destroy them. And destroying them is, it's this, like, morally restful thing to be able to do, right? Uh, to be able to hate. You can hate orcs. It's okay to hate orcs. Um, anyway, it's, um, yes, it's okay to hate them, and it's okay to kill them indiscriminately, Gilgonther. That's exactly it. That's exactly it. Um, exactly, praise. They were embodied evil. That's a wonderful way to, to describe it. That's a wonderful way to describe it. Um, uh, and, um, yeah, and Tony, you're right. Stormtroopers and Star Wars fill a similar, similar role. The helmets on... St- this is why, Tony, you know, like, say what you like about the later Star Wars films. That moment when Finn takes his helmet off... Uh, in the Force Awakens, right when you when you see a stormtrooper take his helmet off in the middle of the battle, it was a, I, I found I found that a really powerful scene, right? Um, because Star Wars does invite us to look at stormtroopers in a similar kind of way, right? They're faceless. It's like they're not even people, right? Um, but anyway, um, okay. So um, Elrond. So I come back to the point, though, that I was making about the uh, the greys, right? So the irony is, in the old days, Tolkien did have, well, he didn't have white characters exactly, but he had he had he had he had he he, he didn't have the absolute white, but he had the absolute black. Um, he had characters that were completely evil. Orcs were just completely evil. Um, in saying this, for nothing is evil in the beginning. Even Sauron was not so. Elrond is making a a huge statement to the council. And Tolkien is planting a really important flag, right? And that is not... I mean, and this we talked about a little bit last time. Um, We could all go this way, right? We all potentially are Sauron. Um, You know, whether or not we take the ring, um, we are all potentially Sauron. Anyone can fall. Um, that is, Tolkien committed himself to a world in which there are no blacks and just absolute blacks and absolute whites, as far as characters are concerned, as far as people are concerned. Um, again, even calling into question the evil of the orcs. Um, and uh, um, and so it it's just it's it's just one of those things that really frustrates me. Like, not only is it not uh, true that all the characters in Tolkien are extreme one way or the other and really simplistic, um, but 
he's actually overtly rejected that course and therefore made his life a lot harder for himself in a lot of ways. And indeed, in order to like, he clearly felt these things to be more important principles. I mean, I, that's explicit. Um, and we talked about this a lot in Morgoth's Ring when we were looking at the orc problem, which gets a lot of discussion in Morgoth's Ring. Um, in the Mythgard Academy discussion of Morgoth's Ring, we talked about this. Because um, he, he brings it, like, there, there are, like, a couple different theological questions here, right? And he has to choose. Like, which, is, which principle is more important? What am I going to stand on and not compromise at all? Right. Um, and these are the ones. Nothing is evil in the beginning and evil cannot create. Those are the ones that he said, OK, those are those are non-negotiables. Those are non-negotiables. Um, and therefore, as a consequence, he even, to put it slightly dramatically, marred his entire story, honestly, because the Lord of the Rings was written when it seems pretty clear to me that most of the time he's writing in the Lord of the Rings, he's still thinking of orcs as if they were constructs. I think most of the time he's still thinking of them that way. When we're keeping score at Helm's Deep, uh, for instance. Um, but um, it was after he'd written the Lord of the Rings that he's really working through the philosophy um, really working through the theology of the whole thing. Exactly, Nathan, not at Kirathungul. Yes. The turning point, I think, the major turning point is the conversation on Kirathungul. So, yes, Shagrat and Gorbag are the first very definitely post construct orcs. No question. Um, and one thing, Nathan, that I'll be really interested to do, because of course, Long before we meet Shagrat and Gorbag, we're going to meet Grishnak and Ugluk. Um, and I will be really interested to compare and contrast what we see of orc culture with Ugluk and Grishnak compared to what we see of orc culture with Shagrat and Gorbag. Because I do think that you can see that Tolkien's own world-building had been advancing between the two. Um, uh, yeah, Fourth Dauntless, exactly. Aragorn's comment about Sam slaying uh, his first orc is one of the other passages. That is the, is the one right up there with the, with the Helm's Deep matter, uh, the, the, you know, the keeping score um, that I would point to. Absolutely, it's exactly um, what, I what I normally point to there. Um, yeah, yeah. Anyway, um, uh, yeah, yeah. Um, so, yeah, Matt, I think about the, um, I think about the, the applicability question, right? Um, with the orc thing, um, and the world wars. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it was something, and he spoke about this in his letters, of course, the fact that things, Battle doesn't work that way, right? Wars don't work that way. Even though Tolkien said in exactly so many words that he did feel um, that, 
you know, his, the, 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 the war against the Germans was, was right against wrong. I mean, he, he did feel that his side was in the right and the Germans were in the wrong. He thought that there was, there were definite moral absolutes involved and he felt confident that he was on the correct side of that war, both wars. But it doesn't change the fact that, as he says to Christopher, there are orcs on both sides, right? It's not that simple. Like, and you can't treat your enemies like that. And of course we see this, we see this in the text. We see this, um, uh, we, you know, we see this of course in Sam's famous contemplation of the South run warrior. Uh, we see this in the fact that the humans are always spared at the end of battles, right? The Dunlendings are spared. The Easterlings are spared. This is, this is what's what always happens. Um, but, um, anyway, Anyway, does the orc problem include uh, dragons and trolls? Uh, well, Nancy, I suppose it kind of does. I mean, the orcs kind of take the headlines on it. Um, dragons are less of a problem. Honestly, dragons are less of a problem. Um, but, um, and in fact, at the risk of digressing further from my digression, uh, I will say possibly my favorite of his solutions, proposed solutions, proposed and not really adopted solutions of the orc problem, involves um, basically conceiving of orcs more like dragons, essentially. Um, but... Um, Nathan, you're on the right track there. Maybe all orcs are just a bunch of really low-powered Maya spirits. That's that's exactly one of the directions he was kind of going, saying that the original orcs were actually uh, evil spirits who who uh, sort of incarnated the bodies of animals, and so that they're not proper children of Iluvatar at all. Um, there's a lot of problems with that, but I kind of like it better. I'm, I'm not saying it's perfect, but I kind of, I like it better than the Fallen Elf version. I'm not a big fan of the Fallen Elf version at all. Um, it's, um, it always felt to me like a very, uh, um, a very hand-wavy solution to the problem. Um, the hand-waving comes in and say, okay, so the elves are taken and by slow arts of torment are what? Are what? What did you do? Okay, so maybe you, like, hideously traumatized them, um, you know, so that they, you know, they, those orc, those elves that you captured, you know, become, you know, like the Reavers and Firefly. Okay, maybe you did that. Maybe, maybe Melkor overwhelmed their minds and wills and put a whammy on them, right? What about their children in the thousandth generation? That's still, that's still working? That's still in play? Like, they're still children of Iluvatar. It doesn't work. Um... But, um, but anyway, I, 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 uh, um, uh, I'm not, uh, I, I, I've never been, I joke, that, that, that's where the hand-waving comes in, right? That, like, Morgoth does something, and, like, after this thing gets done, then, like, they and all of their children are totally evil. Okay. <laughs> okay. Um, but, um, yeah, yeah. Um, so... Right, it, ha it happens off screen. Well, it's kind of, it's kind of, and and it's true uh, that we're only told that it's you know some it's one of those some say things, right? Um, but um, 
but anyway, anyway. Um, okay. I'm not here to legislate the whole orc problem. I just, I was feeling a little guilty about just kind of making a casual allusion to it. Um, and, um, making a casual allusion to it and then not to, because again, this is a huge deal. When Elrond says for nothing is evil in the beginning, like, that's so enormous. Like, the world, the world kind of changes. It's not fully done changing until uh, Frodo opens his mouth and says what he says later on down the road um, on the stairs of Kirithungal, but it's a huge deal. So, um, I, I didn't want to just pass it over. Let's move on. Boromir looked at them doubtfully, but he bowed his head. So be it, he said. Then in Gondor we must trust to such weapons as we have. And at the least, while the wise ones guard this ring, we will fight on. Mayhap the sword that was broken may still stem the tide, if the hand that wields it has inherited not an heirloom only, but the sinews of the kings of men. Who can tell, said Aragorn, but we will put it to the test one day. May the day not be too long delayed, said Boromir, for though I do not ask for aid, we need it. It would comfort us to know that others fought also with all the means that they have. Then be comforted, said Elrond, for there are other powers and realms that you know not, and they are hidden from you. And when the great flows past many shores, ere it comes to Argonath and the gates of Gondor. Um, all right. So, let's go through this carefully here, right? Um... Yeah, you know, Trifle, I kind of agree with you here. Um, Elrond is not exactly being impatient, but um, do we see a slight strain to the patience of Elrond here? Um, <laughs> Trifle was saying that Elrond is somewhat fed up with Boromir, methinks. Um, a little bit, just just a little bit, just a little bit. But let's let's start at the beginning. Boromir looked at them doubtfully, but he bowed his head. So be it, he said. So Boromir submits. But we are already told. It is already suggested um, that his submission here... We're not going to have to see him kind of semi-take-it-back later on. Um, uh, It should come as no surprise later when he continues to express doubt in this, right? He, he's looking at them doubtfully right now. Um, Boromir does not seem to buy it. But that was a really impressive speech that Elrond just made. And Elrond has just made his statement and Gandalf just immediately came in behind it. What is Boromir's situation here? What, let's say, for instance... Boromir is thinking, yeah, whatever. Whatever. I don't believe it. I think we can totally use the ring. I think you guys are just being timid. Um, first of all, I'd like to defend Boromir for thinking that, if he does think it. Um, I think that... Um, I'm not saying that he does. I'm not saying that he does. 
Though what else would he be thinking? Let's assume that Boromir is still dissenting in his heart to what Elrond has said. He says, why don't we use the ring? Elrond says, no, no, no. Oh, that would be such a bad idea. Nothing but bad would come of our trying to use the ring. And Boromir is not down with it. He doesn't buy it. He's not okay with it. He, as he seems not to be. He's doubtful. What's he doubting? Exactly. What's he thinking? That's why my first thought is timidity. Um, and of course, informed by the fact that that's what he's going to say later on. Um, uh, but that also seems um, very, very likely. Very likely. Right? And now keep in mind, he's just been hearing from Galdor. So he's got some excuse. Oh, sorry, sick Galdor burned, but no, seriously though, like, um, <laughs> I don't think Galdor in the latter stages of this discussion has exactly been covering himself with glory. And remember, Elrond himself just said, too often, you know, have the elves turned that way. Um, let's leave Middle-earth behind and go to Elvenholm is an answer which, for which Boromir is not going to have a whole lot of uh, patience, necessarily. Um, yeah, yeah. De La Mancha, yes, I agree. He believes the benefits outweigh the risks. That's exactly what I'm talking about. Right, that's exactly what I'm. That's exactly what I'm talking about. Um, how would you say it? Um, it's only the fearless and the ruthless that are going to be able to succeed. Right? I mean, that's that's um, that's what I'm talking about. Like, yes, he believes that. Um, he seems to believe that probably the benefits do outweigh the risks. Yeah. So if you're going to say, no, 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 we need to take that off the table. Off the table, we're not even going to con contemplate that option. I, Elrond, reject it out of hand. Not without explanation, but out of hand, for sure. Right? And Gandalf immediately is like, yep, no, no, no. Definitely can't, uh, can't have that. Um, uh, yeah, yeah. Um, Yeah. Now, hang on, Flamifer, I don't think you're being quite fair. Um, the bosses here, right, the authorities, they are explaining their assertions. They've been talking about the Great Ring for a long time, and they've been talking, and you, they've shown some effects of the Great Ring. Um, we've heard about the story of Gollum. Um, I don't think that they're without evidence, and El, El, if Elrond's statement had boiled down... See, it's a good thing I kept this slide, isn't it? If his statement had boiled down to simply, no, trust me, I know that sounds attractive, bad idea, though. Then sure, I'd have been doubtful, too. But, um, but that's not what he says. He explains. He explains how the ring works, the nature of the ring, how the ring works. He gives examples. Consider Sauron. Consider Saruman, rather. Right. Um, it's it's uh, 
Again, is it enough to totally change Boromir's mind? No. Does Boromir still have to accept some things on faith that he does not fully understand? Yeah, sure. Of course. Of course. And now keep in mind, I'm not criticizing Boromir. I get where Boromir is coming from. Even, even, you know, not thinking for a moment about any actual influence over him uh, that the ring is gaining, which, as I say, I think we have some indirect evidence to, see, to, to perceive already and have on more than one occasions already in the council. Um, his doubtfulness, I think, is fine. But again, the reason I come back to... I, I'm, I'm thinking about what is going on in, his, in that head that he is bowing. He sees... He, I mean, what's he supposed to do? He knows he can't argue with that. That speech was way too authoritative, right? This is Elrond, the Loremaster, right? Who has just said this and Gandalf is on his side. And I have no doubt that Glorfindel and Aristor and all the other elf lords are nodding around the table sagely and sadly as uh, Elrond says that, right? Though some of them are probably looking a little shell-shocked given the um, uh, ramifications for the elven rings as we were talking about before. But, but, um, but I agree. I agree that um, the likely result, like the, what he is likely saying to himself is wimps. Right? Like, yes, I, 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 granted, it's risky. Granted that it has a corrupting power, right? That only the pure of heart would be able to wield it safely. That only the strong would... Yeah, agreed. Still worth the risk, though. Right? Still worth the risk, though. And, um, Mad Violinist, you are absolutely... Um, uh, you are absolutely correct that he has classed the ring, in his own mind, Boromir, has classed the ring as a weapon rather than as an artifact of power. Um, in his mind, it is a weapon that Elrond and Gandalf are unwilling to risk wielding because it might harm them. It might harm you. Um, yeah, yeah. Um, exactly, yeah, Tony, you were just emphasizing the ring as a weapon uh, as well. Um, and that he is, think uh, Stephanie, I agree, he is... He has a more military style thinking, as we'll see him continue there. Um, uh, yes, and Gilgantir, I, I think that that also seems very likely. Um, that Boromir's problem is more immediate uh, than a long term. What if the bearer gets corrupted when he has hordes of armies at his gates? Again, like, does he have. Yes, there are risks. Yeah, maybe it'll do harm to the wielder. Perhaps even. The wielder might do harm um, with it, right? But again, it's it's not hard to talk yourself into the other frame of mind to say, "Well, look, okay, we are facing one hundred percent certainty of destruction, right? I have seen the armies of Sauron. I am so convinced that we cannot defeat them that I left." the armies of which I am the general and came up here as the only hope that we had for some kind of council, some kind of something that would help us uh, to save the city, to save Gondor. And lo and behold, Providence has brought to us the enemy's ring. 
right? The ring of power, the most powerful artifact ever, the greatest weapon of all time. Prayers answered, right? Mystery solved. Um, excellent. Great. Okay. Is anybody else tracking here? Boromir's got to be thinking, right? Um, and yes, does he, does he not believe Elrond? Yeah. Does he not care? Yeah. And again, I can see his point of view, right? Again, 100% chance of destruction. So, okay. So if we take the ring and use the ring against Sauron, there is a certain chance of something bad happening, right? That somebody who takes the ring will end up becoming the next Sauron, right? And yet a new Dark Lord will arise. Yeah, okay. Granted that there's a non-zero chance of that. Hey, who knows? Maybe there's a big chance. Maybe there's a 75% chance of that. But you know what? 75%? There's still a 25% chance of a good outcome, which is a lot higher than we are currently facing. So give me the odds, right? You've got to make hard decisions like this, people, in war, right? I mean, this is... this is, in the end, not that hard, right? Um, yeah, all swords are risky, says Kurtzimus. Yes, yes. Um, and, um, and yeah, Nathan, you're right. He did come here for a weapon. Seek for the sword that was broken. What does that mean, right? Now, he's been shown the sword that was broken, Elendil's sword, and that's a big deal huge deal, and we talked about that, right? Um, but um, now he has gotten another sword option, right? Right, And we can see that's on his mind, right? He's about to bring it up again. Um, but hang on, we'll come to that in a second. Um, okay. Um, yeah. Um, Okay, sorry, I'm looking at lots of comments. Lots of comments. Um, but, uh, Ilamar, you're right. Um, he's a soldier. He knows about authority. He does submit. He's not going to argue. He's not going to argue. And what's more, he's not only a soldier, as we've seen, he's also a diplomat. He can see what's happening here, right? There is no arguing against what Elrond just said, Right? Not that he would argue against it in the sense of saying, Elrond, actually, I disagree with you, right? Um, I think that your assessment of the situation here is probably inaccurate. He has no data for that, right? Um, It's not, um, you know, in a battle of lore that he's going to attempt to take on Elrond, right? I think he might say, I think that your decision to say, I will not take the ring to wield it, is an unrealistically namby-pamby approach to the situation, right? Things might get tough, and tough decisions might have to be made, and, you know, whatever. Um, You've been here on the back lines for a long time. I I know, you marched with Gilgalad, and that's a big deal. Um, Or at least it was 3,000 years ago, but, um, you know, (laughs) we have current military decisions to be made. Um, But again, he's not... He's not going to, um, he's not going to fight them. He's not going to fight them. Um, Ilamar, I agree. I don't think that he wants glory. Well, I don't think he's averse to glory. Um, I do think he wants glory, but I know, I do not think that's what he's thinking of here. Um, 
I don't think that you need that in order to explain his doubtfulness. I don't think, um, what I do not believe is that Boromir, if Boromir's holding in frustration at this moment, I do not believe that the source of that frustration or the, the nature of that frustration is, um, uh, is like, oh, you know, him losing his chance you know, at glory, you know, him just simply pining for the ring and, you know, wanting to use it to make a, you know, big thing out of himself. It's not, it's not just that. Um, uh, yeah, yeah. Um, and I agreed, Matt from Wisconsin, there's no question of, a, of I, I, I do, I absolutely resist the idea that Boromir is truculent and obsessive. He's not. He's not. My, I'm attempting to argue from the beginning. It's funny. You guys are reacting like I'm dissing Boromir. I'm not dissing Boromir at all. I think that the conclusions that I've been suggesting that he may be drawing are perfectly rational conclusions. Perfectly rational conclusions. Right? Even the business about the timidity of the elves. They kind of are timid. Elrond kind of admitted that. Too often have we gone that way. Right? I mean, that's that's... Yes, like, as elves, we've tended to run away a lot. Because <laughs> they have, and they do, right? Um, so, um, anyway, I, yeah, I mean, his analysis here makes sense. Now, the thing that, there's one element, there's one element which is the weak spot, right? The, any of the points of view that I'm describing or, or attributing to Boromir um, would all be perfectly sound, perfectly rational, perfectly understandable. But there's one little hinge. There's one little weak spot in them. And that is the percentage chance of things working out well, right? Um, because he has no data for that. Only his own belief. Belief in himself. Belief in the men of Gondor. Um, you know, that the men of Gondor will never submit. Which I think is relevant to his feeling about the ring, too. Right? The men of Gondor will never submit. Um, that includes in this spiritual battle against corruption. Right? The men of Gondor are true of heart. So forget about it. Right? I would put our odds of using that weapon without destroying ourselves at significantly below 100%. That's the problem. Right? Elrond, Gandalf, and the rest, it's not that they're less willing to take a gamble. Elrond's proposal is very gamble-heavy in fact. Um, as we will see when we go on to talk about it more as they discuss it more, within the next few weeks we're going to be discussing Gandalf's despair passage, uh, his despair speech. Um, Boromir, if Boromir is making the calculations I'm attributing to him, it's sensible. It's at least as rational. 
uh, as Elrond's. But again, but the difference, the premise upon which it all hinges is, is there a chance? Is there a chance that you could use the ring and not be corrupted? Could that work out? Because if so, man, give it a shot. Give it a shot. Um, again, that would be a sensible conclusion. Elrond does not believe it. And I think that he's right. I think that he's right. I think that Elrond is right. I think that Gandalf is right. I think that Boromir is wrong. Um, and what Elrond has attempted to show is that one thing or the other, man, it's going to come out badly. You've got a 0% chance of a good outcome. Either A, you're not going to accomplish anything with it, and you're just going to be destroyed and then hand the ring back over to Sauron. Or B, if it does work, the only way that it's going to work is by turning you into a Dark Lord. Because that's what it means to be the Lord of the Ring. Only the Dark Lord can be the Lord of the Ring. Um, and so in order to use the Lord of the Ring, in order to use that power, you have, because to use the ring to dominate the wills of others, which is what the ring does. It's the power that it has. If that's the weapon that you're going to use, you have to train your will to evil. Anyway. Um, exactly, Matt. Sauron has accepted. Uh, you're exactly right. That Sauron has accepted that someone will claim the ring, um, but he has a plan to win anyway. Yeah. Absolutely. He still believes that he can win, um, even though um, uh, even though one of his enemies is probably uh, is probably claiming the ring. Yes. Um, exactly. Um, so, yes, we are back to Boromir fundamentally not understanding the nature of the ring trifle, as I think, as several of you have pointed out, as I think is betrayed by the fact that he's thinking of it as just a weapon. Something that could be used against Sauron. There is a way in which it can't exactly be used against Sauron. It is Sauron, right? Um, you can you can destroy it, you can keep it from Sauron, you can give it to Sauron, or you can become Sauron. That's those are kind of your only options here. Um uh it's really kind of the only options. And Ray, you're absolutely right that Boromir is not alone in not understanding the nature of the ring. Absolutely not. Absolutely not. Um uh yeah. And, um, see, Rachel, I don't know. I don't know if Boromir disbelieves what he's been told about it in the council. I don't think it's exactly about that. Um, I mean, remember that not even Elrond understands it perfectly, the ring. Right? He doesn't want to understand it perfectly, because there's only one way to understand it perfectly, right? But he laid it on the line as authoritatively um, as he could, right? To, 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 and Boromir accepts it, right? Boromir accepts it. Um, 
he bows his head, right? He knows he can't fight him. He can't argue with him. Um, uh, yeah, yeah. And Mad Violinist, I agree. That's a really important... And it's one of the advantages, Mad Violinist, of going at the pace at which we're going, right? Um, let us try... I know that I don't always succeed at this in staying in the moment, right? Um, sometimes it's useful to remember ahead or to remember backward for purposes of contrast, right? Um, but it is true that we cannot simply import what Boromir is going to say and do elsewhere, because he's going to change over time, right? Um, I think, do I think that the ring has begun to corrupt him? Yes, but it's not binary, Right, it's not a. He's not a zero or one as far as his corruption is concerned. I do think that the ring has planted a seed in Boromir, in Boromir's heart here, um, but that seed has only just barely begun to germinate uh, uh, in Boromir's heart. Um, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> JJ's reminding me that, of course, everything in, in Tolkien is binary, either purely black or purely white with no in-between. That's right, JJ. Thank you for reminding me. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, Matt, that's an interesting point. Uh, Matt DeForest says that um, Boromir, himself, as a captain, might even imagine use of the ring, like embracing that if the danger of using the ring is a danger to you personally, that you will become corrupted, um, potentially even viewing it as self-sacrificial, right? Like, you know, um, if, if it will kill me, if you have to kill me afterwards, um, then, then yes, fine. I, and I will sacrifice myself for my city. Yeah. I, 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 you know, that's, also starts to smell like rationalization, but, um, but yeah, but yeah. Um, yeah. Um, Astro Gypsy on, uh, on, uh, YouTube is saying there's a bit of humor in the idea of Sauron fighting against a dominant ring bearer, uh, where you get evil as its own enemy through the nature of strife, his own worst enemy. Yeah. Yeah. Um, um, yeah. Um, there is some, definitely some irony there, but I, I would also say, of course, we see this all the time. Like evil is always, um, you know, oft evil will doth evil mar, right? Um, and um, that's um, um, that's definitely um, that's normal. That's how evil works. And in fact, spoiler, it's what we're going to see, right? How does the ring get destroyed? Um, uh, but yeah, we'll get there. We'll get there. Um, exactly. Yes, Ashnask, you're right. Sam, Sam sees the same thing that I'm seeing here about the seed planted in Boromir's heart at the very beginning. Um, Sam suspects it from the uh, from the start. Um, but um, okay. Anyway. Um, Second sentence. 
making rapid progress tonight. So be it, he said. What an interesting statement that is. So be it. Not I agree, not I concur, um, not you have my sword, um, but uh, so be it. So be it. Um, what shall be? What is the it? What is the antecedent of it? I will not take the ring to wield it, nor I. So be it. Let it be so that Elrond and Gandalf will not take the ring to wield it. I concede that. I concede that you're not going... I I explicitly concede that that's not going to happen. And I also concede that apparently this council is not going to agree to use the ring as a weapon, um, like it kind of seems like it could be used, um, in defense of Gondor. Right? Then in Gondor... We must trust to such weapons as we have. And at the least, while the wise ones guard this ring, we will fight on. Um, that seems to me, um, <laughs> like Weabot says, that makes me think Boromir is very used to giving in to Denethor. Yeah, yeah, he's not the boss back home. Um, and his dad, there's no question about who is the boss at home. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, Morinitar, that is exactly what I was getting to next. Um, that sentence, and at the least while the wise ones guard this ring, we will fight on. Look at those two sentences. Then in Gondor, we must trust to such weapons as we have. Um, he's said already they can't win. He knows this. He has said this, right? Remember when he was... Uh, Remember the the irony, like the tragic irony of long yet shall that march be delayed. Um, it's going to take Sauron a while to get into Eriador over our dead bodies. It'll happen for it'll happen eventually. Right. But uh, but don't worry, Galdor, you'll have time to run away uh, before that happens. Right. Um, uh He's already said this. That's his frame of reference. Then in Gondor, we must trust to such weapons as we have. Yes, Eruahil, it's similar to Andreth's resignation to death. Yes, yes. Kurtzimus, I agree. Boromir might have just lost his last hope. Yes, yes. In Gondor, we must trust such weapons as we have. Parentheses, which I know to be useless. Yes, in Gondor... We shall carry on doing what we've been doing and what we are committed to doing, what we are sworn to do, which is to sacrifice our lives to defend bulwark of the West, to defend the West, despite the fact that we know we're going to die. So we will trust to such weapons as we have, ineffectual as we know them to be as far as victory is concerned, right? Um... And at the least, while the wise ones guard this ring, we will fight on. Observation number one. He has introduced a divide between the wise ones on the one hand and we in Gondor on the other hand. Right? They are now in two camps. I don't remember that being the case before. Um, He 
certainly did have a kind of inflated um, inflated view like of the importance of uh, you remember Aragorn's already called him on this right peace and freedom you say remember that speech um, uh, you know when Boromir was basically taking credit for the peace and freedom that exists in the rest of the west and he's like dude dude um, you know there's a lot more to it um, yeah yeah um, Kurtzimus really cool stuff there um, Kurtzimus says he's forgotten about sending the ring to the fire apparently that seems to be sort of off the table, or at least I'd say irrelevant. Irrelevant to Boromir. He's not even addressing it. Okay. So, you won't use the ring. Well, then we will fight to the death. You know, like we've been doing. And several of you are accusing him of a guilt trip. Well, okay. Yeah, kinda. Kinda. Um... He submitted, so be it, right? While the wise ones guard this ring, we will fight on. You guys do your thing, and we'll fight. There's almost... um, There's almost like a, a pushing himself back from the table here, right? Okay, fine. You guys... I'm out. I'm out. You do your thing. You take your counsels. Um, I can see now that it's not going to be much good. It's not going to matter much. He does seem to be absolutely um, ignoring we must send the ring to the fire. While the wise ones guard this ring, did you not hear me, Boromir? Elrond has said, just said, I I fear to take the ring to hide it, right? Hide? Yes. I fear to take the ring to hide it. Um, He said we shouldn't be trying to hide it. We need to send it to the fire. Um, Yeah. Kurtzimus, is he implying that he doesn't think they will? That he doesn't think it's going to work? Um, um, yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> right, Tarlonio grumbling about throwing perfectly good ring weapons into the fires. Um, yeah. Yeah. Eruahil is wondering if Boromir is basically treating that suggestion as irrelevant. You don't have the strength to take the ring to Mordor. What are you going to do? Invade? Okay. All right. Sure. Great. Uh-huh. So, we'll keep fighting. <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll keep fighting. He does... Is, is, is he ignoring it? Is he... Is he um, Blocking it out? Is he tactfully like, well, let's not mention that crazy plan again, <laughs> right? I'm not really, I'm not really sure. I'm not really sure. Exactly, Ilamor. I think the whole problem is that no one has suggested sending Farmer Maggot. I think everybody else would feel more confident if they had. Um, but, um, yeah, yeah. Um, 
Yeah. Now, again, him thinking about Gondor, you're right, Matt. That's what he's that's his job. Right. But again, while the wise ones guard this ring, we will fight on. I love the this ring, too. There's a, something slighting in that. Right. Um, does it sound like he's trying to distance himself from the ring, too? Just a little bit. This ring, you know, like, the, oh, yeah, there's like a ring involved. Some whatever ring thing. I'm not thinking about it or anything. Right. I'm. Uh, yeah. Yeah. OK. OK. Yeah, that least of rings, fourth dollars, exactly, exactly. Um, then the transition. Mayhap the sword that was broken may still stem the tide, if the hand that wields it has inherited not an heirloom only, but the sinews of the kings of men. Whoa. Ambush. Ambush. So, okay. Weapon. They need a weapon, right? We need first strength and then a weapon. Oh, yeah. So if the ring isn't our weapon, if uh, it kind of looked for a second like there might be some hope, right? Some Omdir for this battle. If we could use the great ring against Sauron, that sounds awesome. But, okay. Exactly, Matt from Wisconsin. It does sound like a consolation prize at this point. Okay, so, um, um, mayhap the sword that was broken may still stem the tide. Maybe, maybe, <clears throat> maybe the sword that'll, that was, maybe, you know, we need first strength and then a weapon. We have the strength. We don't have the weapon. And then he's to Aragorn. He's like, you've got the weapon. Do you have the strength? Right. Um, if the hand that wields it has inherited not an heirloom only, but the sinews of the kings of men. The sinews of the kings of men. Um... I think do I think that's a diss? I don't think it's a diss exactly. I think it's a challenge. I think it's a challenge. Um Yes, exactly. Fourth Dauntless says we're back to Aragorn not looking much like the images of Isildur preserved in Gondor. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um uh it is a stab at Aragorn's legitimacy. Um, does it suggest? I don't know. I'm resistant to this idea. I'll say it, but I'm resistant to it. Let me just say that from the beginning. It is possible that Boromir is losing faith. You could make an argument of this paragraph to say that Boromir is losing faith in this entire council. Right? Um, you wise, quote-unquote wise ones, you do what you think you need to do. Right? You, heir of Isildur over there, right? Like, you're telling me this stuff about the ring. You're telling me that this scrubby dude over there is the heir of Isildur. That that broken sword is the broken sword that broke under Elendil when he fell 3,000 years ago. Okay. Okay. Now, again, do I think that's Boromir's attitude in general? No. No. 
I don't think that's Boromir's attitude in general. Do I think that he has the same kind of skepticism that like Ted Sandiman has in the Green Dragon in chapter two? No, I don't think that. Um, uh, but could you draw the conclusion that Boromir's faith in these proceedings and in what he's being told at this council has been shaken? You, you could. You could make that argument. You could like the wise the wise ones guard this ring. Um, the crack at the about the sinews of the kings of men could suggest a challenge or at least a questioning of the value of the things that he's been told and of the councils that are being taken here. Right. Um, I do think that you could sustain that argument. As I say, I don't really buy it. I don't really buy it. Starsinger says, I think that he's quite frustrated. I agree. I agree. Um, uh, yeah. Um, Elamer, yes. I, I, I agree with you. I don't read this as just a diss against Aragorn. I read it as a challenge. Um, mayhap the sword that was broken may still stem the tide if the hand that wields it has inherited not an heirloom only, but the sinews of the kings of men. Um, Boromir is used to inspiring people, right? He is used to challenging people, right, to get the best out of them. Um, I think that he is challenging Aragorn here, not challenging in the sense of, like, challenging him for supremacy. Um, He's uh, challenging to put, challenging him to put up or shut up, right? So, you uh, you going through with this whole air of a Sildor thing, right? You coming to Minas Tirith? You, you're the long lost king, right? You're the long lost heir of a Sildor. You've got a Lendil's sword. There were all these implications earlier on about you taking up and 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 following in the footsteps. The footsteps not of a Sildur, but of a Lendil, right? Leading the people, even sacrificing your life in battle with Sauron. Really? Let's see it. Let's see it. Um, and again, I don't think that he is necessarily suggesting that he expects it not to happen. But he is throwing it out there, right? He's not gonna. He's not gonna just. Um, um, Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Um, Matt from Wisconsin says, Is this where the seed of Aragorn's last words to Boromir are forged? In an invitation to be brothers in arms. Matt, I do think the what Aragorn will express at the end of the book at the end of the Fellowship of the Ring, I mean. The division of his heart. His desire to go to Minas Tirith. I do think has been influenced, shaped even in part, by Boromir. Um, look at his response. Who can tell, said Aragorn. But we will put it to the test one day. 
that's kind of mm, oathish. Not the first part. The first part is very humble. Who can tell? He doesn't rise. He doesn't bristle. He could, right? Um, who can tell? Who can tell? Um, but we will put it to the test one day. Exactly, Gilgalady. We will put it to the test one day. Um, exactly, Matt. I think he's. That's a promise. That's a promise. That's. 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 If that's short of an oath, it's not much short of an oath for Aragorn. We will put it to the test one day. You know, when you live in Middle Earth, you'd best be cautious when you speak in the future tense. When you when you speak in the first person future tense. Um, when you say, I will or we will do this thing, that means something. That means something. And I agree. Um, I agree, Matt, that it's like a promise to Boromir personally. Um, yeah, we will put it to the test one day. Um, and... Yeah. Yeah. He will. He will. Um, it is like the promise that Ar- Aragorn gives to Aemir. Not exactly. He does not precisely say, uh, you know, he is not uh, foresightedly predicting that he and Boromir will meet on the field of battle, right? You know, though all the foes of Mordor lie between them. Um, that's not exactly. Um, uh, that's not exactly what he's saying. Um, They will put it to the test. Does the hand that wields the sword, has it inherited the sinews of the kings of men? Um, Yeah. Yeah. Um, Aragorn, it's interesting. Um, Aragorn speaks of He speaks, will speak later almost as if he's promised to go to Minas Tirith. Almost as if he's bound to go to Minas Tirith. Um, and I think this, this is the moment. We will put it to the test one day. Um, uh, yeah, yeah. Um, May the day not be too long delayed, said Boromir. Right. Boromir doesn't doubt him, doesn't question him, but he does once again challenge him. Good. You know, as if to acknowledge one day, right? Leaving yourself a loophole there, aren't you, Ranger? Right. Um, Okay. Maybe someday, right? May the day not be too long delayed, right? And again, I don't think... Is he being snarky? Yes, to some extent he is. Is he being chippy? Yeah. Yeah, he is. Is he taking out his frustration in Aragorn's direction? I think a little bit. Um, In part because in Aragorn, there's somebody who's like... 
a rival, right? Somebody who's on his level. He can't argue with Elrond. He can't argue with Gorfindel. He can't even argue with Gandalf, right? So be it, he says, bowing his head. There's nothing else he can say to Elrond, right? But Aragorn? He can chivy him, right? Um, and, of course, as several of you were pointing out before, the sword that was broken is exactly what he was told to seek. In the, it's the answer to the dream. Seek for the sword that was broken in Imladris it dwells. Okay. So, um... Yeah, I'm taking my ball and going home. Are you coming, Aragorn? Um, yeah, yeah, exactly. Arrival, but appear. Exactly, Emily. Yes, yes, um, yes. And someone that he... There's also a sense in which I think that he feels... Proprietary? Not about the sword. I mean, notice... I don't see any evidence. And this is kind of interesting to me. I don't see any evidence that Boromir grudges Aragorn the sword. Seek for the sword that was broken. You'd think it would be easy work for Boromir to be like, well, I was told to come for the sword. Tell you what, I'll take the sword, um, uh, keep the scruffy ranger, right? Um, I can do without that, but, uh, but I'll take the sword. Thank you very much, right? Uh, we have strength, now we have a weapon. Um, I know that I have the sinews of the kings of men, you know, so um, we're good here, right? He, he, he never goes there. He never says that. He doesn't seem possessive. I don't even think that he seems challenging. Challenging in the sense of really challenging, really questioning, um, really attacking Aragorn's rights. Again, he is challenging in the sense of he's, he's, he's probing, he's pushing him, Right, um, but uh, but yeah, yeah. I think that he. Um, when I say so, when I say that, I think he feels some, somewhat proprietary. It's of Aragorn, right? Okay, this is the answer to my riddle. <clears throat> Seek for the sword that was broken. His use of the phrase "sword that was broken" hyphenated there. Mayhap the sword that was broken may still stem the tide. I guess that's what I was sent up here for, right? Um, so there is a sense, and I, good, I think several of you were um, um, alluding to this as well, that um, the uh, this is his only hope of not leaving empty-handed at this point, right? Um for a shining moment, Boromir had this amazing plan, right? He had this vision for how this could work out. And oh man, right? The Great Ring itself. Talk about you catastrophe, right? I mean, am I right? Like, a miracle beyond anything that Gondor could possibly have expected. The dream, of course, it brought them brought him to Imladris, and here they discover this unbelievable opportunity. Well, that dream is shattered now. So be it. Um, you keep on guarding your ring, or whatever you're going to do with it, uh, and uh, we'll fight on. Right. But, 
I'm taking the sword that was broken with me, right? If uh, Scruffy over there is willing to come too, right? Um, if he's up to it. Oh, you are up to it. Good. Better sooner than later. I, again, Boromir is Boromir's a general. He's a captain. Um, and I think that he's pushing Aragorn here. Um, uh, but yeah, I, 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 I do think um, I do think it's harder to accept Estelle, Nathan, and we're going to come to that. That's exactly where we're headed. Um, the more we discuss this passage, the more I, I look at, you know, kind of try to tease out Boromir's frame of mind as he's saying these sentences, the more convinced I, I am that Boromir's voice is a voice of pragmatism here. Right. From his suggestion about the ring all the way through his reaction to this. Um, uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, Erev Numenor, that's a really good question. What are the implications of stem the tide? Um... I don't think there's a lot of hope in that phrase. May still stem the tide. To stem the tide is to hold back the tide. Right? It's to hold back the tide. Um, yeah, Michael, I agree. The tide is relentless. Stemming is temporary. Um may still stem the tide, that doesn't speak of victory to me, right? I do not hear him saying, um, but hey, you know, maybe Elendil's sword will lead us to victory. That's, I don't think that's what he's saying. I don't think that's what he's saying. I think that that's, um, I think that he is, because, uh, yeah, the tide always returns. Um, slow down the inevitable, Kevin. Yeah, that seems fair to me. Um, that seems fair. Um, uh, and, and one of you was talking about the word mayhap, and I agree with what you said about it. Um, mayhap is a weak word, or rather it's a very doubtful word. Um, mayhap is a weaker word than maybe. Maybe. This is something that may be. This is something that may hap. Right, that may happen. It may happen, and it may not happen. Um, uh, may happen, may still stem the tide. But, but yeah, I um, I don't think that he is expressing much confidence there. Um, yeah, Ray, it, it, it's not exactly like Galadriel's long defeat. I mean, it's from a different. It's a it's a different kind of perspective. Um, but um, but yeah, I mean. Is Boromir basically reconciling himself to death and defeat? Yeah. The, the, the destruction of Gondor. That's what so be it means. That's what he means when he says that in Gondor we must trust to such weapons as we have. And again, one of the things that that clearly means is, then I guess we're on our own. Okay. Well... We're no worse off than we were, at least. Right? Oh, no, hey, look, we're a little better off. We now have a broken sword held by a scruffy dude. Okay, so we're now one scruffy dude the better. 
than we were. And a broken sword. Right. Now, nah, again, he's not going to diss on it. Um, does he believe it's the sword of Elendil? He probably does. Um, but um, uh, he probably does. Yeah, yeah. Um, but, um, but yeah, yeah. I, no, I, and, and I agree. Sorry, sorry, I keep... I see things flash by and I don't always track who the person is. Um, I agree with the person who said that Boromir is, is all about the Omdir and not about the Estelle, the two different kinds of hope uh, in Tolkien's world. Um, um, he is, he is giving up, giving up hope. Omdir. Um, he does not have much Omdir. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, Yeah, good. Um, <laughs> yeah, let's see. Um, and I agree, Matt, the Tide reference is one that we'll see again. Gandalf will use this the same Tide. He also will compare the advance of Sauron to a Tide uh, in the debate of the last captains. Um, uh, yes, yes. Um, and Matt, I, I was thinking about that exact same phrase. Uh, stemming the tide and turning the tide, the turn of the tide is a very different metaphor, right? Um, yeah, yeah, it's a very different metaphor. Um, okay. For though I do not ask for aid, we need it. It would comfort us to know that others fought also with all the means that they have. Um, for though I do not ask for aid, we need it. That, I think, is a self-consciously humble statement made by Boromir. Um, Though I do not ask for aid... I ask for aid, right? Um, I am first going to point out extravagantly how I am not begging for help. And then I'm going to point out that we need help. So this is me begging without begging, right? Um, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. There is humility there, but I think it's technical and even a little showy. Though I do not ask for aid, we need it. It would comfort us to know that others fought also with all the means that they have. Who's he aiming at here? I don't think it's Aragorn. I believe that he accepts Aragorn. Aragorn's words. We will put it to the test one day. Okay. He said it. I think Aragorn believes him. Or, sorry, Boromir believes him. But he, um, he just puts that rider, right? Make sure you don't try to loophole that one with the one-day business, right? May the day not be too long delayed. Though, by the way, too long delayed is a little snarky, right? Like, um, I imagine the delays, the day's gonna end up getting delayed a little bit. Right? At least a little bit, right? Probably, they probably ain't going to come tomorrow, I'm guessing, right? 
uh, when we put it to the test. Maybe the day after. It's, so it's, I'm guessing, I'm going to go out on a limb, Boromir saying, and say there's going to be a certain amount of delay. May it not be too long. Right. So a little bit of snark there. Yes. Um, yeah. Um, right. Um, exactly. He expects the help will be delayed no matter what. Absolutely. Um, but it would comfort us to know that others fall. But as I said, apart from that, I do think that in general, he seems to accept Aragorn and accept Aragorn's words. I think that Aragorn's answer is a really good answer. Um, he doesn't boast. Aragorn doesn't boast. He doesn't bristle. And that in itself is almost like, I wonder if it's almost like a test, right? Um, is he testing Aragorn's mettle? There are, there are several ways in which Aragorn, in, from Boromir's perspective, could fail that test, right? Um, you know, if he just like whines and cries about it, that would be failing, I would imagine, right? Um, appealing to like the authority of Elrond or something would probably be failing it. Um, standing up and challenging him to a duel would probably not be failing it. I mean, that wouldn't be the worst form of failure. You could fail it worse than that, I think. Um, but uh, Aragorn passes it really, really well. Right? Really, really well. Um, by deflecting, you know, absorbing the at least potential diss, right? And rising to the occasion and responding with a promise, with a meaningful promise. We will put it to the test one day. There's confidence there. There's strength there, right? Um, and I think, I think, I, I think that Boromir feels that Aragorn has passed the test. So, I agree with you guys that um, Boromir is aiming straight back at the wise ones here, right? It would comfort us to know that others fought with all the means that they have. Um, yeah, yeah. Um, translation, start fighting. Exactly. Um, less talk, more fighting. Ilamar, is he going back? Is this an indirect shot at the ring? Exactly. Right. Trifle was just saying, like, you know, with the ring of power. Exactly. Exactly. That's what I was exactly just in the middle of saying, Trifle. Um, is, um, is he implying your wussiness about the Ring of Power is kind of par for the doing nothing course, right? Um, what have you guys done? What are you doing now? And now you're sitting here saying, like, nope, we won't, you know, we've been given this unique, unaccountable, unpredictable opportunity uh, to use the Ring of the Enemy against him the only thing that could possibly overcome him. And, um, oh no, but yeah, no, uh, by all means, let's not do that. So what were you doing? Oh yeah, 
That's right. Nothing. We were dying. So I'm going to get back to the dying with my people, laying down our lives, you know, to fight against Sauron. Um, you guys keep doing that. What What was it you were... Oh, yeah. Nothing. Right? Um, talking. <laughs> right? Talking. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um... <laughs> supply Gondor with Bannocks. <laughs> exactly. I I hear you guys do like to bake also, right? That might be handy, I I guess. Um <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um Yeah. So it would comfort us to know that others fought also with all the means that they have. Then be comforted said Elrond, for there are other powers and realms that you know not, and they are hidden from you. Anduin the Great flows past many shores ere it comes to Argonoth and the gates of Gondor. I love the, and they are hidden from you. There's a reason you haven't heard of what we're doing in the fight, uh, uh, and, and Boromir, and that's because it's secret, right? Like, if you had heard about it, we would have been failing, right? So, um, I think that that's kind of funny. Um, but, um, yeah, yeah. Um, and I absolutely, uh, Matt from Wisconsin, it's definitely a gentle reminder backing up uh, Aragorn's comments from earlier on. Yes, Aragorn was pointing out Boromir's parochial perspective, right? His Gondor-centered perspective, um, you know, contrasting what the Dunedain of the North have been up to compared to what Gondor has been doing and the different, the different, uh, uh, different roles. Right. Um, yeah, yeah. Um, there are other powers and realms that you know not, and they are hidden from you. What does that mean? There are other powers and realms that you know not. Okay. Realms. Why does he say realms? There are other realms that you know. So what? Okay, so my geography is not A+, plus, right? Uh, fine. What does that have to do with it, right? Well, it has to do with it because he's contrasting to the realm of Gondor. Like what? Gondor, the realm of Gondor is right there, and it's fighting. It's engaged with the enemy. And it's playing a clear role, bulwark of the West, right? There are other realms also besides uh, Gondor. Now, of course there are, but there are other powers and other realms. Exactly, Arnas. There are more fronts to the war than the Gondorian front. Um, And it's not only that he's saying, I do think that he's saying, but it is not only... Um, Anathorn, is Boromir not well-traveled or knowledgeable of Middle-earth? No. He's definitely not well-traveled. Um, this is the first long journey he's ever been. Um, uh, uh, knowledgeable of Middle-earth? With what knowledge? I mean, you know, uh, there aren't that many people who know much of all of the realms of Middle-earth. They don't exactly have maps or internet or, I mean, like, what does anybody know of anybody else, right? Um, but um, but yes, 
Brandon, though you were teasing me about it, I absolutely am referring to spiritual realms. Um, other powers and realms. There are other fronts to this. It's not only that there are other frontiers on which battles are happening. It's not just that Gondor does not stand in, alone in the sense that armies are going to march against Dale and against, uh, you know, Lothlorien as well. It's not just that. It is not just that. He does mean that, but he means much more than that. There are other powers and realms that you know not, and they are hidden from you. There are other frontiers to this war. There are other ways in which the might of Sauron is being resisted. Yes, Gondor is resisting the armies of Sauron. That's very important. There are other ways in which other people are resisting the power of Sauron, and you can't see them. They are hidden from you. I do not think that that only means um, they're secret. Like, you've not been told about them. I think he does mean that. Um, but I think that he is also saying they are hidden from you in the sense like you cannot see them. You cannot perceive them. You have no idea. Um, and Ray, it's conceivable that he's even referencing the Valar there. Um, it is very conceivable, especially in the context of what they've seen of the, the Providence discussion that, you know, that we've been having and that Elrond seems to be pointing to, if I understand it right, all that I have heard and all of that stuff. Um, uh, yeah, yeah. There is much going on that Boromir doesn't really know. Um, yeah. Uh, Mudmore, no, I'm not saying that um, Boromir is comparatively ignorant in Gondor. I'm saying that Gondorians are comparatively ignorant. I mean, look, accurate geography, um, people take for granted, you know, people take for granted so many things about the modern world, right? Um, maps. Maps are hard. Maps are hard to draw. Accurate maps are really hard to draw. Um, and um, most people don't bother. Uh, and, um, yeah, I mean, I, no. People in Gondor, what do people in Gondor know about everything north of the Falls of Rauros? I mean, they're probably aware of the fact, maybe, they're aware of the fact that Dale exists. Maybe. They've heard of it. What else do they know? What do they know about the lands about Dale? How would they know it? Right? I mean, you only find out these things if people travel. And you only find out accurate things if people travel and, like, with the purpose of bringing news and, and, and uh, you know, like it's, uh, you know, coming down and helping to build maps and stuff like that. Um, so, um, uh, so, yeah, it's, it's, um, there's, and you don't get, since the Eagles aren't in the business of carrying around cartographers, um, yeah, and Tony, I agree. We have so much more information about the geography of Middle-earth and the people in the story, right? Tolkien's maps spoil us. No one in Middle-earth has those maps. Nobody. Nobody has those maps. Um, uh, yeah, yeah. Um, exactly. JJ's posting uh, an old map. Um, Fort Dauntless, 
I don't think Elrond has it either. Frodo t- will speak of being shown a map of Mordor, but his map of Mordor is like really out of date. Really out of date. Um, uh, like thousands of years out of date. And who knows how accurate it is, right? Um, yeah, yeah. Um, so no, I mean, I'm not saying there are no maps. We know that there are maps. But are they the maps in the front of your book? I don't think so. I don't think so. Um, yeah, yeah. Um, and when the great flows past many shores, ere it comes to Argonath and the gates of Gondor. Why does he talk about that? What do they call the Anduin in Gondor? They call it the River of Gondor. Right? They do. They call it the River of Gondor. Um, It is the River of Gondor. Um, But... um, Anduin the Great's a long river. And it flows past many shores ere it comes to Argonoth and the gates of Gondor. Um, it's a way of reminding him, like something, a physical image to anchor his imagination, right? Think about your river. Think about the river of Gondor. What do you know about the river of Gondor? And then also to put it into context historically, right? And when the great flows past many shores ere it comes to Argonoth and the gates of Gondor. Oh, ouch. Argonoth used to be the gates of Gondor. Oh, but Gondor is diminished now, right? So things changed over time as well. Um, Argonoth, however, was the extent of Gondor when Gondor was at its peak, right? That was the edge of Gondor back in the big old days, right? Um, Now the gates of Gondor are a lot closer than Argonoth, uh, but um, nevertheless, even beyond Argonoth, Anduin the Great flows past many shores, right? Um, yeah, yeah. Um, so, I think it's a really um, telling way for him to point out. In the end, I think one way to paraphrase what Elrond is saying to him is Boromir, have some humility. No, like some real humility. Right? Remember that you are only a small guy in a big world after all. Right? Gondor is very valiant and Wonderful. But it's only one realm. Sauron is the enemy of the entire world. And if he does bear a grudge against Gondor, which he totally does, um, there's an entire world out here opposing him. Um, Gandalf, remember, is going to say something a little bit more pointedly when he says to Denethor, you think as is your want, Lord of Gondor only. Right? Um... Uh, his frame of reference, Boromir's frame of reference here is very much like that. 
um, very much of that same kind of quality, I believe. Um, Gilgalad is a good way to put it. Bor- Gondor may be Boromir's world, um, but it isn't the world. And that's right. And that's what Elrond is reminding him of. Um, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. Um, with that, we shall end for the evening. It is field trip time, a little bit past field trip time. Um, but, um, yeah, very good. And I agree, Rachel, Boromir isn't going to feel much better knowing about Lothlorien when he does go there. Um, but, um, there we go. See, look at that. We got through a whole slide after all. Not bad, considering the massive digression I indulged in at the very beginning of class. All right, so thanks for joining us. Uh, Feel free to stick around for our field trip here this evening. Okay, I am always having these problems where i got to get my screen to rewrite itself properly here. Okay, there we go. All right. Okay, back to Limlock? Yeah, let's do it. All right, back to Limlock. Um, continuing to explore. And by the way, I'm exploring blindly. I have no idea uh, what I'm going to find. Um, these trips to the Wells of Langflood that we're doing uh, up north of the Vales of Anduin are... These, I've never been to this region of the game anywhere. And of course, we're going to places um, where... Um, uh, we're going to places that, of course, the... the um, books don't go to either, um, you know, other than in, you know, paraphrased legends in Appendix A. So, um, so I know very little directly about this area and I am Me neither, actually. <laughs> excited to learn and excited to explore. So Limlock up here. Yeah. So we'll get everybody. Yeah. We definitely need everybody together because, um, Things are going to get a little chippy, I think, around here. All right, so where I want to go, looking at the map. So we came up the road. We glanced at the bridge. I need to go back to the bridge. But then we went up to Limlock because we wanted to get to the milestone here. And then we saw we saw the White Mare, which was cool. And we've been exploring around the town. Um, now, I, um, uh, now I want to get to... Um, I'm going to go up the river. I want to explore, see how far we can get here. I don't know how far we can go up here. Um, but I, I want to be just, just kind of want to be thorough, see what we can see if there's anything up here. And if there's not, we'll head back down and uh, go over the bridge, I think. Um, but first, I want to go upstream. I want to go back to the river and I want to go upstream. So, all right. Do we have everybody here in our in our little raid? You can send Linus the Okay. Here we go. So, what conclusions did we draw about who lived here before? Humans? Um, yeah, humans with some Bjarni influence. Yeah, but and like the, the ancient ruins are old, but probably third age, and mm-hmm. probably from a glory day of the, like, Aotheod period, probably... No obvious heraldry. Yeah, Rovanian, we're thinking about the possibility of it being connected to Rovanian, though it's 
on the other side of the forest from the center of the kingdom of Ravanian. All right. And the origin, of course, of Bjarning. Yes. All right, so I'm just looking out over the terrain here. What do we have? Oh, we got a warg. Oh, and a little orc over here. You all right there? Yeah, good to bad hunter. I think we're okay. Um, well, they seem to have killed my horse, but, you know, it happens. Uh, oh, the goats are going mad as well. Who oh. aggravated the goats? Okay. Not me. All right. I'm so we've got hills. Can we get around those hills? Is there anything up in them in our hills? Let's just. Let's. I was gonna go. Fox Canyon, like everything. Yeah, else. up the river here. Well, let's see what we can find. I'm looking for any interesting evidence of story, which can take several different forms. It can take the form of ruins, one of my favorites. It can take the form of mobs as well. So I mean, we're finding orcs, and these are Gundabad orcs that we're finding. Um, here, Gundabad orcs and wargs, um, which, you know, you would expect to find. That doesn't seem shocking. Yeah. Um, we're a little bit, you know, we're south of Gundabad still, but we're definitely getting up there. And with the orcs multiplying in the mountains and the, where are these guys bound? do you think? Yeah, there are chopped trees. What's up with the trees? They do like chopping down trees. Well, but who chops a tree down 15, 20 feet up like that, right? I mean, like, they look more broken off, right? I'm kind yeah. of wondering, are there giants in this region? Surprise me. It makes me wonder, doesn't it? Yeah, it's... Yeah. Okay, oh, and we've got bats. It's like a, a home alone mountain, where he walks off the top of the tree to make a Christmas tree. Right, a mountain bat. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Again, who's this, a goblin spearman? Yeah. I'm just thinking about the maps, and I was just thinking about how old Elrond's map might be, and it's like, oh, Numenor is still on the map here. Right, well yeah, like no, exa- I'm sure that, yeah, it's just, yeah, map making. Now, look, Gondor was, you know, a pretty advanced culture, um, in its day. So I'm sure they had cartographers. Um, I'm yeah. sure that there do exist some decent maps from, you know, a thousand years ago, maybe even 500 years ago. Yeah, about as old as that sword. That <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Do you think we should go up, try to go up over the hill or should we go across the river and up that way? I'm not sure we can get up that hill. It looks pretty boxed me, in. Me neither. Let's go over the... It's got this um, this canyon up here. is a little steeper than I thought it was. So maybe we have to head down to the fort after all. I was thinking we could take a shortcut. But as usual, it has led to a long delay. Away. All right. So here we go down to the river. Oh, still a bit of cliff, but it's okay. We can make it down here. All right. Across the river. I'm not. I'm not seeing any evidence of, well, anything. Just wilderness so far. More goats. More stumps over here. Yeah, yeah. 
more stumps. Yeah, more stumps over here. See, I'm, uh, I'm one. Uh, aha! Hark! A homestead and another ruin. Excellent. Okay. Yes, yes, yes. This is what Obvious. we were looking for. Now, this looks like a small. Um. What is it? Is this a house? It's a big window for a house, but it's a small footprint for anything else. Unless this was a pillar. Maybe this is a pillar here and not a corner. At first I thought that this rectangle here was the building, right? But I think maybe not. I think this is a corner and that this was just a big pillar inside a larger hall, right? Oh. Wow, it would have had to have been pretty big to need a pillar this big to support it. Well, it is a very big pillar, admittedly. Maybe it's less of a pillar, more of a internal partition of some sort, right? That coven. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Not, yeah, not, from, the, from the distance, it looked like like the, this was the remains of a brick oven, like the house. Yeah, I totally thought this was like yeah, a fireplace and an old like burned out uh, farmstead or something. But yeah, or one but, of those na natural rock things that people call like the devil's chair or something. Right. No, but the the um. The window slot, which is a bit broken off, um, does suggest this was a wall, and it looks of exactly the same stone and style uh, as the stuff around Limlock, as does the stuff up here on top of the hill. You think it was all one big edifice, or just several buildings connected? Well, I mean, it's hard to say. Down in the bottom, we don't see much. It looks like there might have been something a little bit more isolated down there. I can't imagine it was contiguous with this. Well, the land is so uneven. Right. Sorry, I keep missing. Uh, another there. arch. Yeah. We got another arch which looks exactly the same as the arches around Limlock. Um, so we have another hill, right? Another hill here, and there's the Limlock Hill right over there, isn't it? Can't really see. I can't really see the town on the hill. Then make it up. Not really. Or is it on that further hill over there? But anyway, it, it kind of reminds me of um, you know, like when we'd see random Rudauran ruins spread around, like the Trollshaws or something. Yeah, with the pine trees. Yep. Um. Nice waterfall over there, by the way. However, on any of these. So I think that that's clearly the edge of our terrain here. Our, our, our navigable terrain. And this is south. I'm looking south, right? Yeah, that's the veil of the. We'll see the you know, Bjorninghus is down that way, right? Is that like a warband or something? Oh, it's a pack leader in a little pack. Yeah, that's cute. It's warband, we should stay clear. That's cute, and he's coming our way. So. Yeah, no, yep, yep, yep. Run away, yeah. run away. Yeah, we can kind of run away here. I wanted to look south anyway, so, you know, that's... Yes, this totally works out according to plan. Absolutely according to plan. And I wanted to see from this vantage if we can see any other walls or ruins out this way. Can I actually see the Bjorninghus from here? They're well hidden, I'm sure. 
Yeah, well, that doesn't help. Okay, no, that's helping less and less. Okay. Um, Alright. I don't remember really that. Weird to encounter buildings that don't have anyone's personal stamp on. Right. And we're, so, yeah, yeah. The lack of marks on those ruins is very interesting. Well, let's continue up in here and see if we find anything else up into the hills. Um, I'm still finding all these stumps. I, I, I guess we're supposed to understand that it's the orcs hewing down trees. Is it just wanton hewing? Just, just orc work? Destruction. Aha! Uh, yet another one. Yet another one. Okay, so see, these don't seem to be settlements. The arches are too grand. The buildings, yeah. look, it's got another one of those big square things right in the middle of it. Yeah. It's, it's just it's like the one be, down in the other valley. It's got to be big enough to put like an army or a parade through or a giant cart. Yeah, it's... it's uh, yeah, these were grand halls. So what do we think? Grand halls of the Aotheod? Or grand halls of... Is this like an out... Um, you know, like an offshoot of Rovanian over here? I'm still a little reluctant to say Rovanian because... I mean, it would make a certain degree of sense... But, hmm. Like any, they're on any, we're on any sort of thoroughfare or pathway to any. Right. I mean, it's it's really far afield for Ravanian because Ravanian was primarily on the other side of the forest, as they say. And um, I'm also I mentioned last time that I am going to be keenly interested in any evidence of um, any evidence of Angmarim. Location? It's, okay, no, these are just like it's just lichen on these stones. Is it just yeah. me, or did stones in Lotro not used to have lichen on them? Uh, agreed. Yes. That's new-ish, isn't it? Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah so yeah, I saw the like white lichen on this stone from a distance, and I'm like, oh, there's something carving on that stone. No, no, there's not. It's just lichen. Um. Um. Yeah. So. Tomas, I would assume the Aotheod would be capable of building in stone. I don't think that they were a primitive people, necessarily. I mean, yeah. Uh, I don't know that they necessarily would. It would be interesting if they did. Because um, it would be interesting if they did, because, of course, the Rohirrim themselves build mostly out of wood. And so there would be a sense of a step back. But, of course, what could be more you know, Tolkien than but that, right? Given how little's left, though, it does feel like we're missing a lot of organic matter structures. Yeah, yeah. Um, Hologro is mentioning there's a cave system around here. Yeah, we've got to be pretty close to the edge here. I don't think we could go very much further north than here. Or, sorry, east from here. We could go further north. Um, where are there caves? Cave system to the south? Oh, I didn't think we could go too much further south either. Oh, there's that war pack leader who's just minding his own business. Oh, looks like his business is no, about to become right our business. It. Yeah, I know. 
You're gonna turn and walk away. I feel like I gotta stare him down. If I break eye contact, will he? Uh, you know, will he attack or? Oh, okay, there we go. We stared him okay. down effectively. You've decided you're not worth it. Apparently, yeah. No flesh worth a peck, I guess. Um, well done, sir. <laughs> so, uh, are there? Is this a cavey area? Down here? Yeah, it's very murkwoody cavey, isn't it? It is getting a little murkwoody down here. I love the play of the shadows and the light through the tree. Oh dear. It suddenly got extremely murky. Yeah, but spiderish. Where are we now? On the edges of the forest? Sort of gully, I don't know. Wait, there's seriously a cave down here? I have no idea where I'm going, by the way. Again, I'm just exploring, yeah, uh, uh, a.k.a. wandering almost aimlessly, discovering things. Under the hill with the ruin? Oh, um, okay. Does anybody know where the cave system is? And if so, could they, like, lead us there? That would be an interesting place to finish our explorations tonight. Okay, there's another... Hologrow is with us in the party. Uh, he can lead us. Is he? Okay, Hologrow. Okay. He's on an alt, though. Okay, okay what, what, which, what are you going by right now? So I can tag you. Which alt is Hologrow on here? Jump up and down if you're Hologrow. Okay. Oh, there we are. All right. All right. Follow the bouncing minstrel. Yep, All right. Yep. Oh, let me put a little decorative element on you. There we go. Okay. Lead away. All right. Anyway, let's find the caves. I'm keen to see caves. Finish. Let's see who lives around here. Or lived. Perhaps more recently than those who made the ruins. Okay. Under the hill with the ruins on top. One we were just on? Maybe. <laughs> Sorry, I'm laughing at Ardent Crayon's Gondorian map of Middle-earth. A bunch of places it says Gondor and then not Gondor, not Gondor, anti Gondor. Wishes it was Gondor. Yes. Gondor colonies, uh, over where Arnor was. Used yeah. to be Gondor. Used to be Gondor. Wishes it were still Gondor. Gondor rules! <laughs> Horrid yeah, labeled about, South Gondor. I mean, you mentioned that, that Boromir is doing, like, his, you know, this, that poking at Aragorn a bit was supposed to be motivational. Is it like, is it motivational in that whole thing where the PE coach calls you ladies when he wants you to work harder? Yeah, yeah, I, that, exactly. I, that's exactly that kind of motivation, I think. Call you a lady to humiliate and demean you. It's a motivational tool we coaches use. Yes, yes. Yeah, no. I think I think, I think that sort of I think in that kind of direction, yes, that's sort of how I take it. Uh, you could also call it a kind of I don't know, kind of tough love, but okay, now here we are. You natural formations in the wells of Langflood. Well, that's an interesting declaration to begin with that yeah. it's a natural and it certainly does look natural. 
Natural formations. Okay. Great. Well, let's plunge right into this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which seems in. to have a sandy floor. Okay. Looks kind of orc cave, but then again, Can't it wait. looks just kind of cave-ish. Um, yeah. Torches. So somebody lives here. Mm-hmm. Though I'm not seeing Typical any evidence bat. of carvings or decorations. Ah! We've got bats, right? Who do we have? Bats? That's, That's just as one. Might. Yeah, they do have extremely perforated wings. Looking Ooh, relatively... Un- but Full lots of bats. of bats. Oh no, I wanted the treasure and I'm paying for it. Oh dear. I'll see, there you Where go. Leads me. Yeah, That's right. So the bats presumably did not. Who's on the floor? What's 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 the? Are those beetles? Are those grid big or whatever they are? Barb, I, 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 they're all going too fast. Oh, mountain bat, mountain bat. Yeah, Grodbog and a couple cave. Grodbog, yeah. Okay. All right. Um. Very noise. Okay, so just bugs and just, but something makes well not paths. Something makes torches. Right. I mean. Very, very goblin-y looking. Someone has gone to the trouble of lighting torches, and something it's doesn't. Something can't see in the dark. Yeah, it's presumably not the. Neither the bats, nor the. Uh, bugs. So let's see. I looked over on that other side, didn't seem to be anything down that little... Hmm. There's there much over here. Wait, what is, what is this? We've got some... What? Hey, bat, look out. I'm trying to look at... Here, bat standing there in the way. Um, spears. Oh, spears, yeah. Yeah, these are spears tied together. Yeah. Or goblinish by the second. Well, they don't look like very goblinish spears. They have tassels on them. Aren't these tasseled spears? Right, they don't have stone points. They've got metal points. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Broad-bladed metal points, too. And they're big. That's it? There's nobody else home? Bats, bugs, spears, and torches? Oh my. Huh. How puzzling. No, there's a side chamber over here. It's just like the Cheser one. Yeah, I think that's the one that we peeked down, though. I don't think there was anything over here. No, the one we peeked down is over here. This is more of the same. Yeah. Yeah. Not even the spears. How treasure. Yeah, and the treasure I don't put too much stock in as far as its archaeological significance is concerned. Boy, these bats regen really fast. Hmm. Hmm. Well, it gave me a piece of Minas Ithil sealed wax, and that was about it. Well, some money. That's um, of Minas Ithil sealed wax. Mm-hmm. Boy, that bat must have ranged pretty far afield to come back with seal sealing wax from Minas Ithil. 
Yeah, and put it in a chest and locked it. <laughs> well, as you would if you'd gone to all that trouble, I suppose. Huh. Well, that's very mysterious. Yep. Got more geology than... Yeah, but what's up with the spears? Whose spears were those? Goblin spears, I guess, though they don't look like goblin spears. Huh. In some distant future, Riflet will know the answer to that question. Whose spears they were? Yep. Okay. Well, is there is is there a quest for that area? Like, is yeah, it... there's a quest, a couple of quests to go in there. Yeah, so you need the quests to understand what the. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So I'm looking at the weapons of this goblin spearman. No, no. No, it's just got a little little signage on the back of it. Yeah, exactly. Signage. Exactly. Um, okay. Well, it's too bad that there isn't more to be discovered from just looking. All right, where... Where are we? Okay. Yeah, so we're wanting to head back vaguely in this direction mm -hmm. to get back to... So, as of now, I'm still going with the theory that those stone ruins are made by the ancestors of the Aotheod mm -hmm. when they were still in their, like, immediate... Like, we've just recently seceded from Rovanian days. Yeah. And before they settled down to become the Rohirrim, because remember, you would expect them, their technology, I mean, to have gone downhill, not up. Yeah, as is the way of Middle-earth currently. Exactly. Exactly. So I would be feeling even more confident if I could find some kind of evidence, you know, that, um, uh, some kind of evidence that of, like, architectural similarity between these ruins and the Rohirrim. But, see, I wouldn't expect much there. Yeah. Okay, and there's the bridge. I don't think we've got time for the bridge tonight, but we'll return to the bridge next time. So next, so we'll stop from this vantage point. Um, oh, no, that was rude, Mr. Gundabad Hunter. I'm just minding my own business and looking at the bridge. And you just come up and kill my horse for no reason. Um, anyway, so we'll come back to the dwarf bridge next time, and we shall cross said dwarf bridge. And... Then we will explore up beyond the Dwarf Bridge and see what we see on the Misty Mountain side of the river. I see there are two bridges here. And what I purpose to do, if we can do it, is to go over the bridge, up along this river, and see what we find, which gets a map label, so I'm encouraged to think that we might find something. Um, and then to come back down and cross back over on this other bridge because there seems yeah. to be a second bridge, which we could then cross over and explore up into the flood fells up here um, before we get up to this other town, which is apparently called Stabled Horse. No, it's called Thokfist, uh, I guess. So, um, 
we'll head up. We'll get, we'll get, and then from there, we shall explore in several directions, including Fromsburg, which, of course, I've been looking forward to for some time. Mm-hmm. All right. So that was some intrepid exploration here this evening. Um, and um, uh, and we will continue our wild exploration across the river next time after looking at the Dwarf Bridge, which I agree, JJ, maybe we shouldn't be so rash as to jump to the conclusion that it's a Dwarf Bridge. Um, we do need to make sure that we gather sufficient evidence to conclude that this bridge really has anything at all to do with dwarves. So, but we'll see if we can't uncover some perhaps next time. Yeah. All right. right. Good night, everyone. (laughs) Thanks, everybody. Good night and see you guys next week. I will be back next week. I'll be away the week after, but I'll be back next week. So. Awesome. Thanks, everybody. Good night now.